0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Wednesday, everybody! Three shows, three shows left until the regular season is done, and we pivot so very sharply into off-season content. But we're not there yet. Just merely wanted to remind you guys of the countdown and remind you that we go all off-season long, so do not abandon ship even after the regular season is done. We got basketball to talk about year-round. Off-season has terrific features, featurettes, week-long, month-long stuff. We do season in review, lessons learned, team breakdowns, free agency, all that good stuff. That's all through the off-season. Welcome to the show, everybody. I am Dan Vesperus. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. You can follow Sports Ethos at ethosfantasybk on Twitter, or just go to sportsethos.com. I am at Dan Vesperus on social media, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from Hootball. I had a weird dream, actually. Um... This is how you know you're doing too much of whatever this is that I'm doing right now. I had a dream that uh, Dan from Sports Ethos actually started to give the best search results. And then I woke up and I checked it. And I was like, wait a minute, was that real? Was that... Nope, wasn't real. Wasn't real. It was a dream. It's still Dan from Hootball. Just search for Dan from Hootball and you'll find me. Hope you guys are doing well on your final week of the regular season. Roto Styles returned today. We spent yesterday's show doing a week-long, uh, that's probably not the right verbiage for that, but covering the entire week of streaming strategy on the head-to-head side for the handful of you guys that still are going on the head-to-head to the very, very end. Don't do it. Don't do it anymore. I, you know, I could have probably just done that. And I was, Hey, here we're going to do a big streaming discussion on yesterday's show, and then taking 10 seconds just said, don't! <laughs> don't do it! Got so upset, my voice cracking. Puberty's tough, guys. Puberty's real tough. The, the the simple fact of the matter is you're going to have so many weird rest days coming up in the next couple of games for all of your team, especially on that very last Sunday. Don't do it. If you're in a head-to-head league that goes to the end of the regular season, talk to the commissioner. If you're the commissioner, just change it. If you're not, no one's going to get bent out of shape. I've said this before. I'll say it again. The Every decision you make in fantasy should be based on some sort of ROI. Some sort of return on your investment. What is what is the benefit? What is the downside? And for this, ending your season a week early. I'm not saying you got to end it like a month early. I get it. You don't want to end a month early. You don't want your season to be uh, already over by like March 10th. Because then you got a month of NBA games happening between when your fantasy stuff is done and when the actual playoffs start. And you're just like, well, what do I do now? I twiddle my thumbs. I get it. I get it. I know that would be the most fair from a we-try-to-eliminate-rest standpoint. But most of us, we want it to go a little bit farther. You want the regular season to be a little bit longer. It eliminates a little bit of the regular season flukiness, the longer you drag that out. But here's the thing. What do you lose by ending your season a week early in head-to-head? What do you lose? You lose one week of the regular season. Is there that big of a difference between a 20- and a 21-week regular season or whatever the numbers shake out to? No, there isn't. There really isn't. And if everybody's aware that it's one week shorter, then you're fine. In fact, what you probably should do is just make, if you're in a, well, no, that doesn't really make sense because you have 11 opponents. Yeah, I mean, there's no perfect way to do it unless you're in, like, an 11-team league which doesn't work in head-to-head. I know, I get it. You're not going to play everybody exactly the same number of times. Some teams are going to have a slight scheduling advantage, get to play the, the bad team twice, and you have to play the tough team twice, or whatever it is, during your regular season. It's random. It happens. Stretching the regular season out and stretching everything to the very end doesn't fix that. What are the benefits of ending your season early? Well, you eliminate a little bit of the dumb luck factor, In your playoffs, which to me should be the biggest thing. Because, you know, on this podcast, I argue repeatedly you should all just go to Roto because that eliminates a ton of the luck. There's still going to be some luck, but it's mostly going to be injury-related luck over the entire season as opposed to... this. uh, Yeah, I mean, this bugs the crap out of me. I don't know what the percentage is that luck factors into the fantasy playoffs. I know it's pretty large because injuries pretty much decide your week. Because no one's screwing around. If you have a key injury, you can't replace that kind of production. You can drop the player, you can pick up someone off the waiver wire, you're just not going to replace that production. The only reason that type of stuff doesn't kill you in the regular season is because your opponent probably is also sitting on an injured guy. But in the playoffs, missed games are death. So, eliminating one week of the silly season, I don't know if it, you know, if it drops the luck factor from... Forty to twenty-five percent, or from fifty to forty percent, or whatever it is, but that should be worth it to have a fair or the most possible fair conclusion to your head-to-head season. I really don't like head-to-head playoffs. I really don't. I know that I'm, you know, I'm always going to be in them because many of you guys play them, and I want to make sure that I can still speak to that here on the podcast. So I'm always going to do some head-to-head leagues, but they're just, ugh. The luck factor. Try to take the luck factor out of it. Especially if you guys have a bunch of money on something. If you have a bunch of money on it, why why would you want luck to decide who gets all of that cash? It's craziness. Anyway, um pretty good sized Tuesday to recap, ladies and gentlemen. 12 game card we gotta go through here, and let's do it at some sort of decent pace. Philly at Indiana. took a little longer to put this one away than it should have, but they did, ultimately. No surprises on the Philadelphia side. I don't think there will be any surprises on the Philadelphia side. That's just what they are at this point. Indiana's worth monitoring. T.J. McConnell made his return after missing basically the entire season with a wrist injury. I mean, he played, what, the first month through it, and then they realized they needed to get this thing started over. He's on a minutes cap right now, so you're not doing anything about it, but it is nice to know that he's okay, and that'll factor into what we decide potentially on his draft value for next year. The interesting stuff with Indiana is much more front court related. Now that everybody's back with the exception of Goga Batadze, who's still out. I'm not even talking about Miles Turner or Malcolm Brogdon, because those dudes ain't ain't coming back this year. But Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson are the two names you're watching. Those guys are both back and those guys are both startable. When they're playing and they're healthy, They're starts. When Batadze comes back, he's going to cut into... Jalen Smith and Jackson and Brissett and Taylor a little bit. I don't know what kind of minutes he's going to get, but Batase is probably, and this is Roto. We're speaking of Roto right now because I, I, you know, I did my head to head show yesterday. If you're in a head to head league right now and you're listening to players I'm talking about, apply them to what I talked about on yesterday's show. But most of my discussion right now is going to be focused on whether or not a guy makes the cut for starting them in a Roto league. Jackson's a hard yes. Terrific keeper league option. You know, he's the future in the middle for this team. Jalen Smith, we heard that they might be shopping him, although he's looked pretty good too. The blocks are unusual. He's not going to generally get that many. He's more of a points, rebounds, percentages guy, which plays in Roto. And then you're not touching the rest of those dudes, the rest of the fringy guys on that team. Right now, it's Halliburton, Heald, Smith, and Jackson. Those are your starts on Indiana. When Batadze comes back, we can kind of reassess a little bit. You might add him to the mix, but... You know, it's not something that you're waiting on with bated breath. Cleveland's a wreck right now, and they've lost so many pieces. It's pretty much... It, yeah, it's sad. It's really sad. This team looked good at the beginning of the year, but they you know, they lost Colin Sexton early, Ricky Rubio partway through, traded for Karis LeVert, but he's just not an efficient basketball player, so he didn't really improve them the way that they kind of needed him to. And then they've lost now Evan Mobley here late, Jared Allen... Uh, back closer to the all-star break a few weeks ago. What's left? What's left? They still got Garland and Markinen, but those guys just aren't enough. They're trying to do it with offense. Uh Moses Brown is playing decent minutes. He's startable, by the way, in Roto. I you know, again, not much in the way of blocks from Brown. He's not gonna block that many shots. By being a very long dude, he's not a massive shot blocker. He's more rebounds and field goal percent, and then you just have to pray he doesn't go to the foul line. Otherwise, Garland's a start, Love's a start, Markkanen's a start. Levert is barely a start, barely in Roto, but you still can just because they kind of need him to do stuff most games. On the Orlando side, Mobamba explosion game, five threes, six blocks. Woo-wee. I don't want to say it came out of nowhere, because obviously he's been pretty good all season long. He's number 56 in 9-cat on a per-game basis start him the rest of the way through. Wendell Carter Jr. has been out, so that's been helpful. Jumbo Kiki's a start when he's starting. Mo Wagner, another decent ball game. I still can't bring myself to pull the trigger on the Roto side. Franz Wagner got hurt early in this game, sprained his ankle. He might be done for the season at this point. You can wait. He's questionable, but I see no reason for them to push him back. Jalen Suggs came back with a minutes cap, but maybe the most interesting thing from this game, you know, aside from Mo Bamba going huge, Markel Fultz into the starting lineup and played 24 minutes instead of his hard 21-minute cap that he's been at, basically, since he came back from his injury. I think with 24 minutes on Fultz and starting, he's an ad. He's going to get the assists in the starting lineup. I know Orlando's not very good. Nope, I they'll don't, I don't know who they're playing precisely the rest of the way, and I'm sure I could look it up quickly if I wanted to, but I also want to keep this thing moving along. Uh, if he's really going to get 24 minutes... That's a start. He doesn't shoot the three ball, so there's limited fantasy appeal there. But field goal percent should be okay. Steals and assists, for the most part, is kind of the game there, and maybe some points. So it's not going to blow the roof off the building, but he now fits a mold of a type of player you might need on your fantasy team. We're all talking, I mean, we're hunting stat categories at this point. Best overall player is actually not that appealing in Roto at this juncture. You're attacking categories. We talked about that a bunch on Monday's show. Brooklyn beat Houston. Big game from Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant didn't need to do all that much. No no big surprises there. Sounds like Seth Curry, by the way, might be back. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge also made his return here. Played 17 minutes. Didn't really uh, impact things in any way. Other than now he and Nick Clax and Andre Drummond are all going to kind of be fighting for the same slices of the pie. I'm not sure any of those three guys ends up with fantasy value the rest of the way. I know Drummond uh, did manage to hang on in this game in 20 minutes. Steal two blocks and 11 boards, but you know the fact that he didn't go to the free throw line was useful. Took 11 shots in 20 minutes. That's high for him. Don't be surprised if you see his numbers taper off here this final week with Aldridge back. Same general story for Houston now. Uh, Shengguen, Jalen Green, those guys are the easy decisions. Kevin Porter Jr. is actually startable with all these other guys out. And I said it before, I'll say it again. You got two weeks out of him here at the end of the year. That's fine. Miami blew out Charlotte. The Heat are awake again. And was it moving Max Struess into the starting lineup? I don't think so. I mean, he only played 19 minutes here. Duncan Robinson actually got hot off the bench, and he was the guy. Tyler Hero was also hot off the bench in this one. Um, yeah, I think it's just, and, and Eric Spolstra said it. He was like, look, sometimes it's good to lose four games in a row, especially when you're locked into a decent playoff spot. You don't have a whole lot to worry about. It's kind of a wake-up call. Heat are still two and a half games up on the Celtics and the Bucks and the Sixers for the top seed in the East. You probably want that top seed because right now it looks like the eight seed will probably be the Hawks, if I had to guess on who comes out of that play. And I think you'll go Nets at the seven seed, Hawks are probably the eight seed. But you never know. Hornets might squeak through. I don't have much faith in the Cavaliers. They're, they're, the bottom's falling out with all the injuries on that team. Just a ton of injury bad luck. But as far as the Heat go, uh, you know, I, I was sort of looking at, at Struess and could we potentially trust him? And I know his game here wasn't that bad, despite only playing 19 minutes. But if he only plays 19 minutes, it's not going to be good enough. Most ball games. And the fact that the Heat are going to go to this hot hand thing, now we know. Not that we didn't really know before. That's kind of always how they've been. And Victor Oladipo didn't play here. So if he pops back up again, that's another mouth to feed so effectively jimmy butler bam out of bio and then tyler hero who we've we've talked about it before he's certainly better on the points league side because his scoring is such a large part of his value but overall he's more than good enough to start in roto too nine cat roto that's fine also toronto got a big win over atlanta raptors have solidified themselves they're 46 and 33 much like the celtics kind of got off to a slow start this year but they've pulled it together Thank goodness, too, because the Raptors and the Celtics are two of my biggest over bet. The Heat actually also, you know what I did? You guys remember this. I talked about it before the season started. I faded all of the teams who had terrible COVID luck last year. Celtics missed a ton of COVID games. Raptors missed a ton of COVID games and were playing in Tampa. Heat missed a ton of COVID stuff, and they were sort of residual from the bubble last season. So all these teams that underperformed last year for factors kind of beyond their control, that was an easy fade the other way. Uh, although in this case the fade is actually to go over and I think all three of them are there already if I'm not mistaken I think by a lot too Celtics might have been the closest their number was relatively high anyway but I had a lot of faith in them that was the one I gave out on a bunch of shows phew thank goodness that one didn't They were when they were a 500 team like 40 games into the season I started to think anywho, uh oh anywho Chris Boucher came out of nowhere with a better game for Toronto but it doesn't matter Doesn't matter when they're healthy. Although Freddie Van Vliet might rest a game. If he rests, you can go Boucher for a game. Otherwise, you guys know the story there. Atlanta, same general idea. Uh, Gallo sat this one out. He's going to be in and out depending on their schedule. So when he sits, then basically you've got the five core guys on this team that are all fantasy startable. Trey Young, Clint Capella, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter. Those guys are all going to get to do a bunch of stuff. When Gallo comes back, that carves a bunch out of DeAndre Hunter. I don't think he's startable when Gallo's in there. And I don't even know about Herder in that case. And then if John Collins pops up, then you definitely don't need to start Hunter or Herter. I think Bogdan Bogdanovich stays above the cut line. I know I've said that, but whatever. I'll repeat myself. Doesn't matter. That's what I do. It's a podcast I talk every day. You're going to hear a few things twice. Washington beat Minnesota on the road. That was a pretty weird one. You get the feeling, I mean, this was actually a pretty important game for the Timberwolves. The Nuggets lost. If the Wolves don't poop themselves against the Wizards, they're a game from getting out of the play-in spot. They're now running out of time, but they should have one good one left in the tank. I'll give you one guess who didn't play for Minnesota. It's pretty easy. If they lose a game they should win and didn't play defense in the process, who do you think didn't play for the Wolves without even looking? Yeah, you're right. Pat Beverly didn't play. When he doesn't play, they don't have their identity. Simple as that. But when a guard or wing doesn't play, Malik Beasley is a three-point stream. Scoring in three-point stream. So, you know, whoop-de-doo there. On the Washington side, they put up a buck 32, so you got a whole bunch of inflated fantasy lines. But there was some stuff to kind of pull out of this. For one, they went only eight deep in their rotation in this game. And when a team only plays eight guys... There's going to be a bunch of fantasy value. A bunch. So, first of all, the easy ones. Kristaps Porzingis, KCP, who didn't play quite as much in yesterday's game, but those two guys have been well above the cut line for a long time. Everybody else on the team has been hovering generally just below the cut line. But the Wizards tried something a little different yesterday, and they ran a big lineup with Daniel Gafford and Christophe Porzingis on the floor at the same time. This was, I think, barring a substantial seismic shift in what Washington does with their roster in the offseason, this is a look at what they want to do going forward. You could also argue that the Wolves are a slightly bigger front court team. Jared Vanderbilt, Jaden McDaniels, Carl Anthony Towns, those guys seeing most of the front court minutes, but Washington doesn't have to counter that with a big lineup. They could put Porzingis on Towns. I mean, he can float out to the perimeter with Cat. He'll get beat up a bit inside. But they didn't have to go Gafford there. They did. And it worked in a big way. Gafford had maybe his best game of the season, although the defensive stats weren't really there. Played 31 minutes off the bench. I don't think he moves into the starting lineup. They're not going to bump Rui Hachimura out. Uh, They like his floor spacing. They like his scoring with that starting unit it helps open things up a little bit for a team that offensively was really rough to watch this season. So for Gafford it's always going to be kind of fighting for center minutes off the bench. Are there going to be enough? I think you kind of have to go with yes. And again this is this is on the Roto side and I remain terribly skeptical that he'll play 31 again in any of the remaining 3 ball games. But if they do start running him alongside Porzingis, any number of minutes in that configuration probably moves Gafford into a startable fantasy play. Because he's stream level in about 19 minutes per ball game. That's where he's been for the last two seasons. He's a streamer in 19 minutes. You get him up to 23, he's a start. And a pretty easy one at that. Cause his stuff translates well. He's not a terrible foul shooter, great field goal percent, okay rebounder, big time block numbers. And get him up to 23-24 minutes a game, you might be looking at almost two blocks a night. Would I start him in his next ball game? Probably not. But if I would I pick him up now to see how the next game goes to decide if I want to use him on the 8th and or the 10th, I probably would if I need rebounds, field goal percents and blocks. Ish Smith had 14 assists off the bench. Yeah, I I can't I can't bring myself to do it. He's he's a bit of an assist specialist, but even that's teetering. Denny Avdia has been decent lately, a little across the board type stuff, which actually would have been much more useful earlier in the season when you're looking for kind of what you call roto friendly guys. Right now, you're not even looking for roto friendly guys. You're looking for someone who you're like, oh, this guy's good at X category. And for Avdia, he's kind of fine at a whole bunch of stuff. Something to keep in the back of your head, though, for next year. All file it in the Rolodex. Tomas Satoransky, assist specialist, same kind of thing. Rui Hachimura, it's really only if you're hunting points. But there was some stuff there worth talking about on the Wizards. So at least we got that. Portland Thunder, the tank off. What a fun tank off it was. Blazers lose their eighth consecutive ball game. They're fighting hard to get into that bottom group there. It won't happen. There aren't enough games left. And the Magic at 21 and 59. The Rockets at 20 and 60. They've locked in the bottom two. Question is, Pistons at 23 and 56, Thunder 24 and 55. Which of those two teams is gonna find their way into that third lotto ball pocket? Who's gonna get there? Blazers aren't gonna get there, but they do they have secured a much better pick by being truly horrible the last couple of and maybe, who knows? I mean their their odds are not zero. Drew Eubanks is still a start. And uh, Chris Dunn, who shot the ball terribly in this game, but is starting now with Brandon Williams out, very much a roto add and start. He nearly triple-doubled in a terrible ballgame. Chris Dunn should not be on waiver wires. Uh, We don't know what Brandon Williams' status is. Will he actually get to go in the next ballgame? I have no idea. But if Dunn starts and plays starters minutes, hell yeah. Start, 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 start. Keon Johnson had a pretty good ball game. I can't trust it. Greg Brown, same general story. Can't trust it. So, yeah, leave it at Eubanks and done for now. On the OKC side, ooh, boy, have they gone into full tank mode. I mean, they really wanted to lose this game, and they screwed it up. <laughs> Isaiah Roby, six blocks. What? Out of nowhere. Roby from the top rope. The, half the team, I mean, again, they only played seven guys, and four of them played 43 minutes or more. Ooh, boy. Here's the thing. Basically, if anybody plays 40 minutes in an NBA game, they're going to have some kind of fantasy value. What you have to decide is what is worth it. Georges Kalitsakis played 43 minutes, but missed all of his free throws and committed seven turnovers. So, great. He scored 17 points and had four defensive stats, but too much bad stuff counterbalanced. Jalen Horn played 46 minutes of this game and had a 20-20 night... But went one for six at the free throw line. Can't do that. Can't do that. I love the 2020, but one for six. Isaiah Roby, he's a go. Vit Kregi started, but only played 21 minutes. So that kind of makes it tough, although he might play 40 in the next one for all we know. Olivier Tsar, uh, played 39 minutes. You kinda have to wait and see who's active for the Thunder. I hope Pokushevsky plays in a game here coming up. Roby seems like he's going to just get to go. As much as I'd love to say all of these guys are streamable in Roto and whatever format, I don't know if they're going to even get into the game in the next one. I don't. I can't do it. I can't bring myself to do it. Milwaukee smoked a division opponent again. They just do that. That's what they do. They had a... Rich, recent history of it. Brooke Lopez, biggest game of the year. That's cool. Bobby Portis, still usable. Off the bench. No defensive stats, but 13-9, two, and a three-pointer. Yeah, absolutely. Giannis, oddly enough, was kind of the quiet one in this ballgame. Who needs Giannis when you've got Brolo, baby? Love that Brooke Lopez fantasy game. You know what? This is good news, again, if you're thinking about Lopez and drafting him kind of in that 90 to 100 range next year. It's the stuff we needed to see at the end of the year. Although I guess they, they'll they make a playoff run of some kind. DeMar tried to do it himself, didn't get any help. Vooch got s- just absolutely smashed by Brooke Lopez. That's not a battle you wanted to lose that badly. Patrick Williams, though, started to play 32 minutes. I guess he's probably startable now. Although, you know, no Zach Levine. So that opened up some shots for other people. Kobe White tends to be borderline startable. Alex Caruso, what the hell happened, man? Where did you go? He's just not, like, he can't shoot all of a sudden at all. I know he wasn't a great shooter anyway, but he was finding his way, slasher, that type of stuff. He's completely vanished, so he's droppable if he wasn't dropped already. The only question mark I thought on this team was Patrick Williams right now, whether or not I could bring myself to start him in roto format. I think if any of the main cogs are out, you can start him if DeRozan, Levine, and Vooch are all in, am just not sure that there's enough. You know, you're looking at probably six shots in a game. If he doesn't get a bunch of defensive stats in a given night on a six-shot evening, that's going to be a tough night to hit fantasy value. Spurs, without DeJounte Murray, they win again. Murray and this, this horrible cold he caught that effectively ended one of my fantasy teams grr grumble grumble who needs him who needs him apparently I don't really know how they won this game as easily as they did Jokic just didn't get any help Aaron Gordon was fine he's been startable lately Will Barton turned back into bad Will Bones wasn't good Rivers wasn't good Monte Morris wasn't good poor Nuggets man playing the whole season without their second and third best player still amazing that they are where they are how's that team not a play-in team And they still could be, I guess, if they lose both. I don't know how the tiebreakers go. If they lose out and the Wolves win out. But they're 14 games over five hundred without their second and third best player. That's amazing. Golf clap for the Nuggets, even after they got beat up by a shorthanded Spurs team. Um, Anytime a key guy is out for the Spurs, you can probably start Josh Richardson. That's the story there. Zach Collins is a guy you should really keep one eye on. I didn't care about it when he was playing 15 minutes a game. He's up to 25 now. His game is actually kind of fantasy friendly. And I would venture that he's not particularly heavily rostered in fantasy leagues. In fact, he's at 4%. But he's played 25, 31, and 25 minutes in their last three ball games, And that's enough for fantasy value. You know? If you... He had a terrible game before that where he played only 14 minutes against Memphis, and that's sort of dragging down his recent averages. But 15-9-5, two steals and two blocks, 18-13 and 13 with a three ball, 13-7-3 with a steal. I'd like to see some more blocks out of the Big Vampire or whatever his nickname is. Uh, But he's an interesting name to, again, kind of file in the back here. I don't know that you have to use him this season. There are probably better options out there, but he's creeping onto the radar at the very end of the season. That's another thing this last week is really good for. Utah almost blew it, didn't blow it, and they all felt really good about themselves. And a round of beers was had. Rudy Gobert, 2020, they fouled him a bunch. He made enough to make it worthwhile. Uh, Memphis, still no jaw, but everybody else came back. I'm... Brandon Clark is now officially a, uh, a specialist at this point in the year. So I don't feel the same way about him now as I did a couple months ago when his stuff was very Roto-friendly and it sort of added up over the course of a season. Right now, if you don't need field goal percent and defensive stats, then you don't have to start him. DeAnthony Melton, Tyus Jones, those are the guys that are still filling in for Jaw. Everything else stays the same on that side. Utah, they've been the same story for a long time now. Look at old Daniel House playing 29 minutes. I don't care about it, but look at it. New Orleans beat Sacramento on the road. Pelicans lock themselves in. They are officially in the play-in tournament. In fact, we'll we'll get to the the last game on the docket, which had oh boy, uh, Jackson Hayes big ball game, twenty-three and twelve. Despite Brandon Ingram playing, and if you're wondering why, it's because Jonas Valanciunas didn't. So everybody, there's always a reason for these types of things. I know everybody was like, "Oh, Jackson Hayes, yeah, fine. I mean, pick him up if if JV misses any more ball games." You may see New Orleans rest a few guys now. Uh there's a jockeying going on for home court in the bottom bracket of the play-in tournament. Pels are a game up on the Spurs, not catching the Clippers. Uh Clippers are very much in the they're 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 locked in. They're the 8. That won't change the rest of the way. Uh, so they that's actually a team to kind of watch out for here because they could very easily rest half their club and it wouldn't matter. Pelicans and Spurs, do, do they really care that much? Home court, away? Like, they're both under 500, both home and away. Pelicans, four games under at home, six games under on the road. Spurs, eight under at home, only three under on the road. I don't think either of these teams really cares that much about having home court in the first of two potential play-in games, but maybe I'll get surprised. All that to say you'll probably see a rest game from the Pels at some point here. Whether it's the next one or the one after, it's coming. And in that instance, the guys that get to play, you know, Larry Nance probably plays in that rest ball game. Herb Jones probably plays. Hayes probably plays. Devontae Graham, maybe. Hernan Gomez. Keep an eye out. If we get any warning on this, there will be a pickup for a one-game roto blast. I need to come up with a good... It's really a Roto one-night stand. I think I've said that before, and I want to try to bring it back. The Roto one-night stand. You pick them up when everybody else is not... <laughs> It's bad. It's a bad... I'm not going down that path. Let's just leave it at that. Sacramento. Davion Mitchell, 17 assists, kind of warmed back up here. And you figure they, they might. Pelicans don't play a ton of defense. Mitchell had been kind of cooling off, particularly with his field goal percent. Hasn't been shooting as many three-pointers. Probably a good thing for him in the short term. And the assists have been crazy, so he's been a really nice stream lately. Uh, Trey Lyles is not a must-stream guy. They've, they're they sh- they're showing a willingness to go to May 2. Keita, Damian Jones is playing plenty of minutes. I'm very upset... Uh, that Damian Jones had ten blocks in a two-game span because, and again, this is another thing that derailed my head-to-head playoffs. My opponent picked him up for his rebounding, and then he dropped six blocks. And I believe our final—I I think he beat me by like four blocks in that matchup. So I'm looking at you, Damian, or going way over your head. He's not a blocks guy. He's a field goal percent guy, and with a dash of rebounds. And you know, in a starter's minutes, he'll average a little over a block a game, generally. Don't care about Jeremy Lamb. I'm not picking up May 2. Harrison Barnes is eh, startable. I mean, again, you're, you're stat hunting. If you need points and some boards and not terrible percentages, there's your guy. But again, I have no problem with dropping players like Barnes. I dropped Larry Markkinen in the league. I talked about that. Like You don't need to start anyone in Roto right now if they're not helping you in the categories you need to attack. I think Dante DiVincenzo is roto startable, but you kind of have to be hunting threes and steals with a dash of points, boards, and assists and not as worried about percentages in that instance. Everything is a story right now. There's no one-size-fits-all at this point in the year. And finally, the Lakers. (sighs) Was this... The most annoying Lakers season ever? No. Because there were seasons where the Lakers were outright tanking. Those were tougher to deal with than this one. But at least you kind of knew what you were getting. It was like, okay, this is going to be a bad team. Let's watch them lose. I know that that's a weird way to phrase it, but there's something satisfying. When you want your team to ultimately lose the ballgame, hey, I want to see this team compete for 39 minutes and then tank the last nine. Great. We did it. We ended up with, what, D'Angelo Russell that year? This Lakers team was supposed to be competitive. I wouldn't even... I want my... My oldest son is five, so he's... Very much aware of his surroundings. Now he's he's a sentient being. The two-year-old isn't really a sentient being yet. I mean, I guess he's there, but like he's not going to remember stuff that I that I show to him. The five-year-old remembers. So the five-year-old, we're going to watch Dodger games every night. I didn't even really want to put the Lakers on for him for fear he'd look at them and go, "Oh no!" Like why are they losing by twenty-four again? That's a rough spot to be in, and. You know, I know LeBron wasn't in this ball game, but it doesn't matter. And I know that LeBron and AD and Russ only played whatever it was, 20-21 games together this year, and they were, like, right around 500 in those. So maybe this was a 500 team. You know, maybe they're the 7 or 8 seed if they remain mostly healthy this year. Who cares? Who cares? I watched enough Lakers games this year to know exactly where every single one of those damn things was going to go. They're going to hang in there for some number of minutes between one and like 18, and then the opponent's going to have a run because everybody goes on runs in the NBA. And most teams, they see the opponent go on a run, they call timeout, they come out, they go on a little run of their own. The Lakers just buried every time, especially when the opponent goes on a run hitting a couple of tough shots. I've never seen a team that got as dejected as fast as the Lakers did. And you could hear it in the broadcast, specifically the radio one, The radio, I think John Ireland is the name of their radio guy here in L.A., he, it was like the sky was falling every time the opponent scored three buckets in a row. Well, here we go again. Buddy, act like you're happy, man. I know it's tough to watch these games, but you got one of the best jobs on earth. Whatever, that's a rant for another day. If you can't make it fun, we'll never find it fun listening. But we can see it. If I'm watching it on TV, you can see it. The shoulders slump, bad shots started, and it was the same thing every single game. And every once in a while, somebody would hit one of those bad shots and stem the tide of an opposing rally. But it was never the right, it was never the right shot. It was a one-dribble pull-up jumper. Russ did it. LeBron did it. LeBron was as guilty as anybody in all this crap. I know he had a great fantasy season, but overall, didn't play any defense, AD was hurt the whole year, whatever that manifests to. Brutal. But, at least for stretches this year, we did get fantasy value out of guys like Malik Monk. As it stands right now, LeBron needs to play in two of their remaining three games to qualify for the scoring title, which maybe he tries to do, but also at the same time, they're eliminated. So I don't actually know what's going to happen to the Lakers the rest of the way. It seems like there's no real reason to play LeBron on a bad ankle, but he might want to try to go out there and score 25 points in a game that doesn't matter to get a scoring title. That hasn't really been his thing throughout his career. Maybe he wants one. So I don't know who to tell you who to pick up. If they shut everybody down, we'll reassess. But for right now, don't do anything. And then Phoenix, pretty simple. I do want to see what Cam Johnson does in a more competitive ball game because the the Suns are now getting healthy and, you know, overall, that's obviously a good thing for them. I still don't think... I don't think Chris Paul's hand is all right. He's not shooting at all since coming back. Full-on assist specialist at this point, but at least it's Chris Paul. And then everything else stays the same. And there you go. Let's do it again tomorrow. Break it all down. Break the card down. We'll talk some more Roto strategy on tomorrow's show. Uh, That's what this week is about, though. No screwing around. We're not hunting rest of season anything. Specialist. It's specialist time of year. Hey, please do drop a rating or a review, or both, on the podcast. I guess it's both, isn't it? It's probably both. What are we at? Did we get any yesterday? I don't think we got any yesterday. Oh, no. Are we still at 793? Confound it! That's okay. I'm actually really grateful that you guys helped us get this high. I didn't think we'd get anywhere near eight hundred towards the end of the season. Remember when we were like 773 and I thought, hey, let's get to 775. And then we got 785. And I thought, well, screw it. Let's see if we can get to 800. Maybe we can. Please do take 10 seconds to drop a five-star review on the podcast. I will love you forever. I know you've tuned me out because it's the end of the show, but please do it. I'll talk to you guys on social. Not as much these days, though. That's all that's left. Breaking news. Who needs breaking news? The season's wrapping up. Let's go win some Roto Bucks. Have a great Wednesday. Always takes me a minute to remember what day it is. Have a great today. I'm Dan Basfors for Fantasy NBA Today. Talk to you guys on Thursday. Two more regular season shows now that this one's done. See, I said three at the beginning, two at the end. Counting you down live as we do a show. Later.